Welcome to the Book Smarts Business Podcast. Conversations with business expert authors to learn about the author, their expertise, and to help you find your next read. And now, here's your host, best-selling author and CEO of Influence Network Media, Jody Brandsetter. Douglas, welcome to the Book Smarts Business Podcast. I'm so excited to talk about your book, Forged. But before we talk about the book, I want to get to know you. So tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Thanks. And thanks for having me on the podcast. I enjoy, really enjoy promoting the power of compassion and presence and leadership and working to bring that into today's leaders. So I draw my many years of experience in research and in organizational experience to set those practices of attitudes, values, and approaches out so leaders can execute their roles. I have a very eclectic experience. I also a technology executive and both in consulting and in organizations. And I've been teaching at Columbia University now as a lecturer in management and leadership, more specifically in technology management leadership for a couple decades now. And more even eclectically and serendipitous is I'm also a qualified mindfulness teacher and a yoga instructor. And I'm also closing in on my Qigong healing certificates to work with individuals in healing. And I've been actually using that in some recent recovery that I've been doing, but also using that to weave into my work with both high-level executives and on local leaders. And the book, it has stories all the way up and down that chain and also across in multiple industries. But what I really enjoy is being able to bring that level of, you know, working on the mindfulness, the embodiment and all that healing and helping leaders to transform because that can be a very difficult and ambiguous and unknown and challenging kind of work to do. And so it's just real joy to be able to bring all those things together into that kind of work. That's so interesting. And I know before we started recording, you told me that you just had back surgery in July. So I'm sure that's part of that healing you were talking about. But I also think that when we have a health issue like that, and we're an executive, it can be very daunting or just like maybe have some anxiety over not being 100%. Curious, did you have those type of feelings? And how did you with your eclectic background be able to maybe overcome those in a way that maybe another executive would learn from? Absolutely. And I'll tell you, it's all very similar kind of work. It's kind of that forged work of dealing with challenges that you're really not prepared for. I mean, how do you prepare for, you know, a pandemic and people suddenly working from home if they haven't been before? How do you work with enormous amounts of pain from back surgery that you've never experienced before? And I think those come out in some of the key aspects of the forged training. And I call those kind of in the end, the four C's, the compassion, curiosity, concentration and community. And I think community is one of the biggest pieces of the whole thing, both building a community and also in asking for help from your community. So I'm very fortunate to be in a group of these amazing healers. And so I was able to reach out to them and they to me to help that. But at the same time, there's a lot of work with patience that has to get done. And I typically don't have a lot of patience. <laughs> you know, I want to get things done. And that's part of my work is like trying to get programs and projects and product, you know, out the door. So it was a tough experience for me and to some extent still is because it's a very long kind of year long healing process. 
the other things I had kind of a healing partner. So I have a friend that had hip surgery at the same time who's in California and she's a yoga instructor. That's her main thing. And she seemed to be kind of working along very quickly and reads great things about patients. And she is an amazing person. And I had to really break off from comparing myself to her. Like, why am I not healing so quickly? It's like you heal in your own time, you transform in your own time, you change on your own time. That doesn't mean, you know, you're completely passive, but what it means is that's the compassion part is bringing compassion to yourself and to others. So to allow you to kind of free and open up yourself to innovation, to being able to look at pain maybe differently or open space for it. And it's very similar to how I work with folks and then the workshops on strategic thinking, because with strategic thinking, what we work with is bringing in a lot of kind of different perspectives and ideas. And it can be very hard and typically is very hard that same kind of patient's problem is there's pressure coming in. Make that decision. You'll come up with a new strategy and perhaps even the last decision maybe did not work out so well potentially. And so folks, leaders, strategists typically have a feeling of being very rushed. But the way that new ideas form is by taking these collisions of multiple kinds of ideas and allowing the kind of stew within you and sit. And part of that sitting with that is maybe a little bit uncomfortable and you know you might call it unease. And so working with the body, working with opening up allows that kind of space for those things to kind of bubble and create and come up with these new ideas on your own time. You may have in business, I mean, you have time frameworks and there's a lot of quantitative numbers and it's a business, but opening yourself up gives you that time and space. And time is precious. I mean, it's always been precious, but especially if you're feeling under the gun, you can start seeing what happens in your vision when you're forced to make a decision or you know you feel under the gun is your periphery starts closing off because you're starting getting more and more focused. So that's what's happening biologically. And so what we try to do is kind of give you the sensation of opening. So the worry about time becomes smaller and smaller as you open the space bigger and bigger. So that's where, again, I get to weave in those kinds of practices into the leadership work to open your mind, to help you see new perspectives, to help you sit with that, you know, bubbling different perspectives to come up with new ideas and innovation. And also in the same way of leading teams, because you want to lead your teams to innovation. We're in this disruptive world. World. I kind of think of it more in terms of resilience and being able to work quickly, recover from failure. So how quickly can you get yourself up, you know, and running again and even use those failures as learnings in working with teams and being innovation, creating that space for them as well, being a holder of that open space for them, just as you create that space for yourself to heal, allowing them to have space to be innovative. And there's some great stories in the book about leaders doing that for their teams, some very high level leaders doing that for their teams, not giving them the answers giving them responsibility, not micromanaging them, but building their capacity to learn. And even if the leaders knew the answers, allowing their staff to go and find the answers and build that capacity within themselves. And then seeing that learning process be used in multiple ways going forward. So again, that's just how I get to weave all of that together into a practice to help leaders do their work. 
One kind of aha moment I've had this year was how important curiosity is. And that curiosity is that piece where your team can go and explore and find that answer versus you finding the answer for them and trying to kind of build a team around curiosity, I feel like really does help with that innovation, creating great products and services and having a great customer service focus because you're just curious about how things work or how things happen. And you're curious how your customers are going to deal with. So curious, I think that's going to be my 2023 word. It's a great word to use for almost anything because what it also means is that you're challenging your assumptions and you're not just resting on even past successes. So in one way, you don't want to worry about your past failures. And in another way, you don't want to only rely on your successes. So the more you're keeping that curiosity kind of mind open, the less you're going to be stuck with, oh, this is the way we did it last time. We're just going to do it the same this time, because that's not a competitive stance. You know, The competitive stance is to know what's actually going on in the situation. So you're exactly right. Curiosity is core to the whole thing. When it's also core to being an author, right? The time, energy, and effort it takes to write a book. You have to be at least curious on how to do that and then curious on what that book can do for you. So let's talk about the book. If you could give us like a quick, you know, kind of summary of what the book's about, that would be wonderful. Sure. It's about becoming a transformative leader, both in transforming yourself and in transforming your team and organization and using this thing that I call the forge, which is basically challenging moments that are ambiguous and high impact. For example, the pandemic is one thing I would discuss a little earlier as well. But, you know, here's something nobody knew how to deal with. Maybe the epidemiologists and those folks had some idea. But in general, how does that work in an organization? How does it work sending folks home if you've never done that? before? And how does the personal aspects work? How do you work with your teams? So one great story popping to mind from the book is there were actually multiple folks I talked to who had never seen their office yet. <laughs> they got hired just as the pandemic started and then never got to even see their team for like two years in person. And they found that in this one case, their team was really suffering from a lot of emotional fear and just personal stuff. So the first thing she did, even though she's a top level leader, is went in and interviewed every single person, which took a lot of time and it wasn't a one day thing, but she really felt she had to get to know folks. And so this became, you know, not just a top hierarchical thing. She kind of flattened the organization, which was a big change for them and even created like a full day online retreat. And in this way, she was able to build her team's skills to work together in this situation. It was highly innovative in that situation. That is innovation because that team never worked like that before. And she brought that to them. In other situations, another pandemic story, they're not all pandemic stories, but they are, were all taken as interviews during the pandemic. But some people recall stories from their past. Another pandemic story is someone who's the head of a giant global HR organization and had to deal with a completely reorganized structure. The company had to come up with new products, not had to, but I think in response to helping out, came up with new products that they were creating and had to create a completely new way of doing performance reviews because how do you do a performance review when everything's changed and your goals mean nothing anymore? Right, All the goals were set prior to that. Big lessons learned there that can be continued forward because if you think about it, just setting goals, performance goals, and I know you're an HR person as well. It'd be interesting to hear your take on this. You know, they can become very stale in a very fast moving, disruptive world. But only once a year goals or even twice a year goals can become very stale very quickly. And so in this case, she had to create like a whole new model of performance reviews that weren't reliant on that. And so another innovation, and I'll give you one more great story is Seth 
Greta Frank, who is an engineer. She's since changed jobs, but she came into a company that was making what's called sputtering targets, which is if you think of electronic components, they have to use like, this is like one example, inks of various types, and they have to create that from maybe gold or other things and turn it into a liquid sometimes. The product itself, where it used to be competitive as a product in itself, was no longer competitive because a lot of folks make those kinds of components. What she created though, and because of her value system of wanting to protect all the people around her up and down and sideways with throughout the organization, she thought, I really have to do something to help this organization survive. And she came up with an entirely new way of selling this, which was a subscription service. So she created a whole new process of creating it. And that was so successful, she turned that into a subscription service and that became the savior of the company. They had a whole new way of doing business as was competitive. So I see that through my knowledge of design thinking, a lot of times with extremes, that's how you can get to find solutions for all. Is that kind of similar to what you're seeing when you're going through and finding these solutions through volatile times? Yeah, it's a great question. And I love the question about design thinking. And I also love because, again, I've been teaching for decades. And before design thinking was formalized, I was teaching about empathy and listening and those kinds of things. And I know you're, like me, a design thinking nerd. (laughs) And yes, I mean, I think the question is about how can those things learned in volatile times be generalized to other times? And I would say, Yes. And I'll give you one example. The group where I talked about earlier, this group that was given a task to do, but wasn't given the answer, even though the leader knew the answer. And this was about changing the way they put together videos for a specific website. Again, given the task to go out, find a solution, came back with the solution, which wound up being the exact same solution that the leader wanted. The leader was Shayla Murray. I mean, she's amazing. I don't know why I don't say her name. I always think I'm protecting somebody for something, but she's in the book. She's an amazing leader. Let me just say that. And not only an amazing leader, which is a little bit ambiguous, but specifically an amazing change leader. And her team, when she came in, and she's also the leader in terms of social media messaging. And she worked on some of the original political campaigns that were using social media. And she kind of almost came up with that model. So when she came into a position where she had a new team and she gave them that responsibility, they now know how to learn. They know how to respond and learn very quickly. And so when the pandemic hit, they were able to completely redo their website to now help folks in the community learn about what to do in the pandemic. So this is actually the Columbia University website that she's in charge of is one of her things. And not only did they turn that around, but the amount of usage almost immediately grew from like 8,000 hits a day to something like 35,000 hits a day. Tremendous growth. Why could they turn that around so fast? Because now the team, they didn't just learn a technique of like reducing the length of videos, but instead they learned the technique of learning and therefore they are able to respond extremely quickly to any kind of changes like suddenly a pandemic. So in terms of the design thinking, I think where that part comes into this specific story is the ideas of listening to both what you're learning, listening to the needs of what are out there, and not just looking at, we've always done five-minute videos, let's keep doing five-minute videos. Maybe that has nothing to do with what needs to be done right now. Maybe what you need is a page of links, or maybe what you need is short clips, or maybe what you need is you know phone numbers. I mean, whatever it is at that time, it's listening. That's the empathy part of design thinking, is listening to what that other person really needs versus what you think they need. In technology, you think about like IoT signals coming in, you know, the big data stuff coming in. So there's all kinds of ways. I mean, it doesn't have to be a technology thing. Sometimes it's 
it's a issue of the heart, like opening up your heart to listen to what your neighbor needs, you know, or what your partner needs. It could all be kind of boiled down into some of that design thinking model, but that listening part, whatever part of you that's listening, the body, the ears, the mind, opening up yourself to kind of say, what part of me really needs to listen right now? Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely one of those things where if we can listen to our body and our heart and our mind, we can then be able to do the same for others. And I think a lot of times when you're writing, that's one of the things you're trying to do is you're trying to provide your perspective or provide others' perspectives so that people can learn from that. So Douglas, this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. Before we finish, how can the audience connect with you and how can they get your book forged? Sure. Well, the book forged is available at most of the big booksellers, amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, those kinds of things. And if you can't find it, you can certainly write to me. And I'd love to hear from folks listening to the podcast. You can, douglasshear.com is the website. And you can just write to me also directly at douglas.shear at columbia.edu. Fantastic. We'll add those to the episode notes. And Douglas, thank you again so much for being a part of the Book Smarts Business Podcast. Thank you so much, Jody. Thanks for listening to the Book Smarts Business Podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the show and share this episode with a friend. In the meantime, join our business author community where you can connect with other business authors and learn about becoming an author at authors.influencenetworkmedia.com. Until next time.